0: Welcome to the Black Women Working podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again. Just a quick reminder, as usual, we've got to do our housekeeping. Um, so if you're not following us already, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And Shan will give you our social media handles. I say I'm. I'm not helping you today. No, please help me because I just feel like we've built this, we've built this rhetoric around me not getting it right, and now I've got super anxiety. <laughs> so just rhetoric. you know help your friend, like what are our hey, social ev-
1: Everybody let Natalie know that we are at BWW Podcast UK on Instagram and Twitter. And would you like to get hold of us more personally? You can email us on blackwomenworkinguk at gmail.com. And of course, keep an eye on everything we're doing, catch up on everything we've done via our website, www.blackwomenworking.com.
0: That's my job, isn't it? <laughs> But the thing is you do it so well. This is the thing like so I have to just release my ego and just let you take your shine. So that's I'll what you do. Well. <laughs> you, I'll take those... it. From you I'll take it. Okay. You're so cheeky. But for those who um don't know us is the first time listening, we are a podcast which is focused and devoted to discussing amplifying um, highlighting the experiences of Black women working in organizations, but also working period, and that can include entrepreneurs as well. So, today we have our third episode of our founders edition. Um, as a polite reminder, actually, I don't know why I need to be polite, but as a reminder, Black women are one of the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs. Actually, they are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs. So, it's only right that we talk to these women and we give them a platform to share their experiences in build, in terms of building their business, scaling, funding. I know that we assume that there's a freedom in running your own business because you're not technically employed. Um, but there are some different struggles and things that need to be considered if you're thinking about making the decision to get your business off the ground and to sustain it. And so we just think that there are some amazing black women founders that we know and not only do we want to shine a light on them, we also want to share their experiences and also share their pockets so that you can support them. And we are so privileged today to speak to Katie and Powell, who is the founder of BB Naturals, a Black owned skin and hair care brand. I've personally used their products, I personally love their products. I will talk about their products this, this whole episode as well. But I would love to welcome Katie into the Black Women Working podcast. Hello, how are you?
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I'm very happy to be here and looking forward to it.
0: Thank you for making the time. Now, let's jump straight into it. Um, For those who need to know, which is everyone, can you please tell us a little bit about you and what the story is so far, just in terms of your journey and where you're
2: at and things like that? Yeah, um, it's always like weird to know um, where to begin, but um, let's get the elephant out of the room mm-hmm. because of the accent. So I guess I'll start with like moving to the UK about mm-hmm. 12 years ago um, from Washington, D.C., where I spent most of my life, but I was born in a, in Jamaica, in Kingston. Um, so which I still very mm-hmm. much identify as. And um, yeah, just, you know, but very much shaped by American culture, African-American culture as well. Um, So, yes, I I moved here and that's because I married a Brit. I married a British woman. And that is um, a whole podcast in itself about why I sort of like ended up moving here because of a discriminatory U.S. government. Yeah. Um, I should have a book coming out next year where I talk about it um, oh, please okay let's just book note that because we need we're to talk we're about that at the end back. of
0: the podcast yes,
2: yes. <laughs> um, that is amazing yeah but yeah so that just allowed me to sort of like reinvent myself mm. in a lot of ways because my previous career was working in um, museum education and sort of like bringing quote unquote, non-traditional, quote unquote, hard to reach audiences to, Mm -hmm. you know, largely white institutions and Mm -hmm. managing, um, those relationships, um, which I, which I actually enjoyed, um, when working for the right place. So yeah, jobs were not Mm -hmm. working out very well in that kind of field here. Mm -hmm. I was in a very privileged place in Washington, DC, um, Mm -hmm. to be able to work in that. So I got into higher education. I started my PhD in um, 20, well, a fall start in 2014. So let's just say Mm -hmm. 2015. At the Mm -hmm. same time, I was trying to figure out a better way to care for my curly, um, my kinky curly hair. And Mm -hmm. I was searching for the perfect conditioner. And um, I saw a girl on, I was heavy into the natural hair space at the time, all the blogs and like YouTube, Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. of that. Uh, all of that stuff. And, um, I saw a girl making a, like a really, really basic conditioner mm-hmm. in the microwave with like in the, the microwave. Proper, yes. With the proper ingredients. I'm not talking about, you know, blending up shea butter and like, cause I'm thinking that's what I'm going to do. And
0: then I'm just going to turn on my microwave and just, you know, hit five minutes. <laughs> <and see what> <laughs> <on>. <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: that's what i was, you know, shocked cuz i've definitely seen the shea butter girls like yeah. doing their thing but this was not that. it was using, you know, the the technical raw ingredients, um something called behentrimonium sulfate, which is a type of conditioning agent. Okay, say know. that again for those in the back. the what the <laughs> what, what, what what sulfate The behentrimonium mesosulfate and that doesn't mean that it is a quote-unquote sulfate because that's a technical term that means surfactant or cleanser um but this something is a conditioner it adsorbs to your hair meaning that it like um it adds to the hair follicle not just you know get sucked up by the hair it adds something to it so that's kind of the definition of a conditioner (laughs) anyway um (laughs) But yeah, she was doing that. so I was like, wow, you can buy those ingredients like on the internet and just get them and do it yourself. So I started researching um, that. I found a cosmetic chemistry, um, like chemist corner. And I just started going down a rabbit hole of learning about this stuff. And side note, I thought if my chemistry teacher had approached chemistry in terms of like baking or like Mm. making products, I could have had a whole different career. I maybe, I don't know what I would have been. Maybe I would have ended up here. Maybe not. I don't know. Mm. Um, But it was just very interesting and very nerdy to me. And um, so I just got ingredients. I started figuring out how to formulate, um, you know, started writing things up and then experimenting with them. Mm -hmm. And, um, it took me, you know, a lot of tries, but I, I eventually came up with a, a conditioner that was usable. And I eventually perfected that in what is now avocado smoothie nourishing um, conditioner. But once I did that, I felt really empowered about yeah. being able to make something that was the exact thing that I was looking for and cutting my detangling time in half in wow. the shower. So, like, I don't have wash day complaints anymore because it's just okay. It's not a big deal. I'm not wasting hours in in there. Um, But yeah, anyway, so after I did that, I thought, okay, well, I did this. What else can I do? And I made a list of my other like um, problem areas or challenges for my hair and my skin. And then one by one, I started trying to address them all. Took me a year until I felt like I was good enough to share. what I had made, like it was okay to give people gifts. And so then I started doing that for like birthdays and holidays and things like that, friends and family. And to my surprise, they liked them. And then they started coming to me saying, well, I have this problem or I'm really looking for this product, but I can't find it. I wanted to do this, this and have this and not have this. So I took these up as challenges. And that's really how... The line developed so that everything that exists that you can buy right now mm-hmm. is not just, you know, inspired by yeah, yeah. a kind of general theoretical sense, but like quite literally, I can tell you either for me or a friend or a family member that wanted that thing. Um, you know, it got perfected for public use, but there are real people behind these products and just trying to help people's challenges and find yeah. solutions, not just have a thing to sell.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think t- it takes, Oh, sorry, Shine. I, I was just going to say no, it takes a special type on. of person to, um, to say, actually, I'm going to make my own products and I'm going to go through and I'm going to test. That's not me. I, <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I don't even, do you know what I mean? That is, that is not me. So I always admire people who are willing to actually like create something from from scratch I don't even cook from scratch I know Chantel does do not I don't literally if I can find the shortcut to anything in life I will take it so I actually appreciate people (laughs) like you who are actually no but it's true I'm just being honest so I always have like a special admiration for people that make products go back refine it because it's like it's a long loving process
2: it is but I love that you put loving in there because that's a big part of it because if you don't see it as Quite literally, a labor of love. You're not going to want to go back to it. And um, for me, uh, I you know tell people that it was a um, meditative process for me because mm. at the time, I really felt like I was kind of failing in my PhD journey. At the start, it oh. was not coming together for me right away, and so that was this amorphous thing that just the pressure was there, but it didn't feel concrete and real. And working on these mm-hmm. products that had like specific goals, and I knew that if I did put these ingredients with these other ones at this temperature, I was going to get something. Maybe it wasn't perfect, but after like a couple of hours mm-hmm. in what became my studio, started out as you know a, a garage, that I have something. Usable, and that I could take notes on it, test it out, refine it, and the PhD felt much scarier and yeah. bigger, and overwhelming. So that became the the space that I would go to when I needed to find some confidence <laughs> and the will to keep going with this other part of my life.
0: This is interesting oh because I remember just hearing that you were like a lecturer in sociology, and thinking to myself, and doing a PhD, it's like, how do you even I can't even fathom, like how you could balance the two, and then also now you've said that you've written a book, which we'll talk about at the end. But like, how, how is how how is that working for those in the back? Okay, me who need guidance for multitasking.
2: No, true. <laughs> well, I'm going to to say something that um, who said this to me? I remember reading a version of it in um Shonda Rhimes's Year of Yes um book. And it's not working all the time. That's, that's the truth of it. <laughs> you know that there are times where, you know, the emails are not getting answered right now because I need to focus on this specific thing or yeah. I have, you know, um, an event coming up or I have to prepare lectures or it's heavy grading time. So I have to just have periods of time where I shift my, um, my focus Um, because what it used to be was that I sacrificed sleep in order to try to make it work. And I had to stop that because I had a lot of consequences from from doing that. Um, and I think 2018 was like the worst of it because Mm. I took on a, um, I took on a maternity cover, a full-time maternity cover position, um, whilst I was doing my PhD, Mm -hmm. And um, whilst running this business, and it was the first time I had more flexibility as a PhD student and, you know, sort of like part time, Mm -hmm. like assistant lecturer or seminar leader um, before that, but 2018 into 2019, um, even that job got split between two different responsibilities. Um, I started working as a researcher on a big project as well as lecturing, and I was doing this. So I was getting up at 5 a.m. to do all this work and then going to bed at like midnight um, or later. And it definitely had an effect on health, yeah. And um, by 2019, I had a conversation with somebody I was um, going to employ as a trainer. Mm -hmm. And he just said, let me stop you right there. If you can't address your sleep, there's no point for you to like get a trainer or like even change your eating or even start exercising. He's like, sleep is a very first thing because lack of it affects everything else. And I just, something just broke through and I really took it to heart and I stopped with the early waking up nonsense. Good. I feel like, Shan,
0: I feel like we need to do like a whole episode on sleep. And our relationship with sleep, because I feel like I as soon as people ministry's. have, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But I feel like as soon as people have a lot on the plate, the first thing they want to sacrifice mm-hmm. is, is sleep. Is sleep, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I, but for me, it's the waking up with the headaches, and also I find that when I haven't slept, like my behavior is that of a toddler. So Shannon, <laughs> if you ever message me and I'm <laughs> throwing tantrums over nothing, you should Every just day. ask me if I slept. Yeah, you should just say that. Nah, did you sleep correctly the night before? Then when I acknowledge that I haven't, then I'll just apologise. But I'm beginning That's to really realise. I'm beginning to realise that like this whole mad thing I used to do, waking up at 5.30, starting work five 5 o'clock, starting work at 5.30, trying to go to the gym, trying to meal prep. It, it's just, yeah, it's the ghetto.
2: It is the ghetto completely. You don't want to be there.
0: No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry, Shan. I love you. No, I mean. <laughs> no, as Katie was no talking, if
2: like... it works for you you're able to like find ways to to work it I think for some people like perhaps it can work if they have other ways of like downtime in their day but if you're mm. not if you like if you don't have that or your body can't sustain itself on that amount of sleep it will tell you and you know you have to respect it you have to yield <laughs> um you know to that I mean I'm just going to reflect I'm
1: not going to ask a question at this moment in time but I you know I as you mentioned the role that the studio initially played um mm. you, you know you said it was like your downtime and and we often speak about one of our pillars is you know the emotional and physical health of black women working and so it was it's refreshing and nice to hear like what downtime looks like to you because we often don't hear people leaning in to a skill and maybe it doesn't sound like downtime to everyone like leaning into a skill learning something new but that was your thing and I was going to ask you about wellness and then you went and then you've explained you know what that balance looks like but I think if we think about I'm going to ask a tricky question let me see if I can word it word it right what how do you actually create those boundaries for self and wellness when actually your business is part of yourself right it's different from saying I'm employed and I'm going to take less hours or you know yeah, that's, that's not my good dad's question. company so I'm not going to yeah. work as hard because your business feels like a part of yourself so I guess you told us what you do to rest how do you still make sure that that has the time it
2: needs whilst you're looking after yourself
1: that is that's a is that a word question
2: it's not a weird question um I think I should clarify that the purpose that it you know that studio time served for me um before that it's not the same now because when I made that activity or my hobby for lack of a better um term my business it ceased to be that um, although they're there there are different points. There's sort of like there's these really creative um, you know, parts of it that I can lean into and sometimes doing really physical things helps me, but I had to cultivate other other things that gave me that feeling in order to um maintain boundaries or find ways to, I don't want to say switch off, but it's really mm. be still. Or be immersed in something that allows me to focus. And I always know that um, I need to find a thing to focus on or deal with my lack of attention when I find it hard to settle or like I can't concentrate on watching something or if I'm having trouble like getting into reading um, that I have too much on my mind. I have to do something that forces me to like just focus you know uh Mm. on that thing so the when the business became this full-fledged thing and I've still been working part-time um as a, a part of that luckily as a university lecturer I have these periods during the year where things are slower and I you know that I get a chance to like yeah. just wait or I don't have to like go in and communicate um, as much. And um, but yeah, I had to. What I had to do was I started um, when the pandemic hit. That was a time where I had to figure out what still oh, yeah. was going to be yeah. for me. So I didn't know what to do at first, and everybody was like, "Boy, well, you got to pivot. You got to find a way to like address people at home and do all this stuff." And I thought. <laughs> hang on a minute, that's not how I deal with things that are frightening or with uncertainty is that I need to to be still, I need to go inward. It's just like, I'm a very, I'm an introverted person and I'm also a very sensitive person. And I find renewal going into myself rather than um, busying or being with other people. So I was a total cliche and I started um, baking sourdough bread one because no I I did
0: that that (laughs) bread is a weapon of mass destruction I do not
2: understand (laughs) that bread oh so see it's a process and they're (laughs) baking is science just in the way that, you know, like cosmetic formulation is. And I think that's, that's why I loved about it, that it was this process. Like you get this thing to the right temperature, you feed it every day until you get the thing. And then coming up with my own like special recipe of blend of flowers. And I, like, I got it down and it was so good. Um, I have not been making it um, as recently because I went away and my starter died and I never, um, it got it uh back up. But yeah, so I did that for a while. And so every Thursday night through like Friday, Thursday night starting the process until like Saturday when I would bake all the loaves, <laughs> I would have time.
0: Of the day, just that can't. I, would, I just can't. It's you and the banana bread tribe finished me during the pandemic. <laughs> like, Do you know what? Any time a banana is <laughs>
1: really ripe, I'm just like, oh man, who's making banana bread? I don't want to throw this away.
2: <laughs> so that's what I did, and now I like I make candles uh, just for myself. Like that's my thing. So because I burn a candle, like whenever I sit down at this desk. You know, I light a candle and like gives me a little bit of peace. I've got one going on right now. So that's that's my new thing. That's my new hobby is, is doing that. I just love this.
1: I <laughs> Did you know what I love? First of all, there's just so many things where I'm like, yeah, me too, me too. But what I what I'm just loving about, I know we're talking about wellness, but also what I'm hearing is how actually you can sort of become who you want to be and be so great at it with without like stepping outside of what you're doing and what I mean by that is anyone would listening to you would think you've got a science background and you've already just said you know if my if my science teacher had taught me differently it would be this and it's just you know it I think it's a, a refreshing reminder that we come with so much we don't have to start again and quite often in in this, the realm of black excellence and whatnot especially as women who aren't always confident in the workplace we go out and we're like oh I'm gonna have to do the degree I'm gonna have to retrain I'm gonna have to take that course instead of just standing and walking in their power and doing what they're doing as they go along so you know like just your skill acquisition along the, along this journey is beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, Really <laughs> Speaking of beautiful, actually, haha <laughs> Nice
0: tangent. Branding. Oh, I wanted so to talk great. to you
1: about branding.
0: <laughs> You're so cheesy, but I love it. <laughs> it's
1: good. I did it. I did it. That wasn't even on purpose. I'm just a wordsmith sometimes. <laughs> um, branding. So, um, talk to us about BB Naturals. Yes. What was, was the branding The name? How, you know. Everything behind the
2: messaging. Yeah. But, the was, whole branding of this brand has been quite a journey. And like I think I've finally gotten to a, a place just very recently with our relaunch and you know shortening our name where I'm like oh, yes, this is what this is this is it. This is what I wanted it to look like. Um and I just didn't know it or couldn't, you know, get the right people to 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 work on that um oh sorry i'm not sure it is oh i thought you were frozen it's okay uh, <laughs> go back um but yeah so the the name originally was born beautiful naturals um i think the naturals part you know a lot of like black owned or like a uh, vegan and um, plant-based brands have the word um, natural in there. But I live in Bourneville, a place that I enjoy very much. Um, it's a part of Birmingham. And I started thinking about being beautiful in our natural skin, being born beautiful. And the whole ethos was an ethos behind the brand was about maintaining that. I'm not trying to tell women that you need this to make you beautiful, or you need this to write something that's wrong with you, but, uh, just a part Mm -hmm. of maintaining your, your health, um, helping you with any challenges that, um, you want. It's just really, these are life aids, um, that I was making. And I, the name of Bourneville it has its name based on the brook, um, that runs through this area, um, the Bourne brook. Um, so Born, Born, a play on Born, and the water being so essential to our bodies, our life, our hair, it's just to the earth. Um, it just fit mm-hmm. and, you know, I am a water baby, water sign, born in the summer. I love water, born in an island. I'm just very attracted to water. And when I see it, I feel really peaceful. So I wanted that to be a part of the brand. Maybe not in the most like obvious way, but like, you know, I knew it was um, there. So that's kind of how the name came together, Born Beautiful Naturals. And we recently shortened it to BB Naturals to... Um, be aligned with all of our social media handles which were already BB Naturals UK and it was shorter and pithier um, and less of a mouthful in the email um, but yeah um, and as for the way it looked initially mm-hmm. I knew yellow was going to be a big yeah. part of it um, because yellow is a color of joy and I wanted people to Feel that when they picked up our products. I think a lot of um, products at the time I observed in the wellness space Mm -hmm. were giving zen and yeah, yeah, minimalist and And bland and bland and stark white. Like, I don't want to say bland, but yeah, it was giving (laughs) that. And for me, I wanted to rebel against that, not to be a contrarian, but because. I am not moved by things mm-hmm. like that. Like they're nice, but I thought everything can't look like that um, in the same way that I hate every condo building going up or apartment building luxury this and it's like everything can't be luxury that everybody's living in luxury. OK, And so also everything us-
0: looks the same. So we're going to have right. no sorry, as a real estate professional, we're going to have like no differentiation between cities because all these new buildings are exactly the same a building that's built here can be built in Dubai can be built in California there's no original don't get me started it's
1: because we're not supposed to exist we're just supposed to sit in the metaverse you don't need your house to look like you took us you took it a step too far you took it a step too far with the metaverse. don't get me started but you know that's where we're (laughs) heading that's where they want us to go Anyway, no, we digress.
2: I don't think I don't think you took it that far at all because, well, it's like the next logical thing. But I feel you, Chantel, because I am I mean, I'll get back to the thing, but I just want to say that I am vehemently against this idea of mm-hmm. only existing in this existential you know, place where you can do or be whatever you want. I know it sounds um, very freeing, but I need to be grounded to reality. And so it's why I think the whole NFT thing will never work because it's not concrete. And I think as human beings, like we want that. Yes. Money is an idea. It is just a piece of paper or plastic or whatever the hell it's made out of now in Britain. But it is feels real to us. Right. It's tangible. Yeah. We can see it. We can feel it. And if I can't do that with other things, they're not you know what I mean? It's just it doesn't feel real, especially when the idea of the thing can change on a daily basis, an hourly basis, what mm-hmm. it's worth it. It is unsettling to me. And so is the idea of the metaverse. Listen, I have been anti um, <laughs> what's his I name? started. I've been anti-um, what's his face? Facebook boy for I know what's his name? Mark Wahlberg. Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg.
0: See, I'm sh- Wahlberg is an actor. See, you see how far I am clocked out of all of that stuff? Because I just feel like it's the end times. I sound like my grandmother. But I feel like it's
1: revelations. The-
0: <laughs> just, like, it just it just seems bizarre to me that people are interested not in being in their physical being and being present and actually having human connection with the others around them
2: that's but what makes us special as a species you know what I mean like it's so ridiculous to me why the hell do you want to be a computer or a robot there's nothing special about that you I can love my life anywhere a dime a dozen and they don't get created without us like, we are the key. Like, why? What, what do I want to be a robot for? This reminds me of seeing um, <laughs> what's her name? Reese Witherspoon. Okay. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off. The- <laughs> Sorry. Like, I remember her saying something about it was like maybe it was like a year ago, year and a half ago on her um, Instagram talking about, well, you know, we better all get ready because soon enough we're all going to need an avatar of our real selves. Oh, God. Um, for- the, the internet, right? So not just the, not, not just your profile picture, but a digital representation of our actual selves. And I remember seeing a comment from Ina Garden, the, um, the, uh, um, the, the chef, um, uh, mm-hmm. bare naked Contessa or naked, bare yeah. Contessa, whatever, Contessa. Yeah she was like no thanks I thought yeah
0: I don't want to avatar I want to picture my actual face I want to live my life in real reality
2: well it's not just it's it's basically this extension of the idea of the metaverse right this other like existence and it is fundamentally a very white kind of concept to me and this sense of like always searching for this next next thing. And it's like you can be yeah. happy in yourself yeah. in your life, as a person that exists in reality. I bet she actually got gravity. paid. To, like, she got paid to tweet that. Like I bet
0: there was some it just because it doesn't have hashtag ad doesn't mean that she wasn't <laughs> paid or 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 she got a kickback because nobody asked you. Nobody <laughs> asked you. Honestly. And and that's and and that's on that. Mary had little okay. all. Around, nobody. Oh, I knew you were going
1: to say that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Shan, sorry. Okay. No. Oh my god. Like, do you know? I just what I'm loving about Founders Editions, which is making me fall in love with the product so much, is that I just feel like I know you in this conversation. Like, if I pick <laughs> up BB Natural, because I haven't had the luxury of doing They're so, as, yeah, I just feel like now. That I've spoken to you, I can just hear I can just hear the passion, the colour, the skill. It's just so beautiful. I'm loving these. Um and I guess like, I say, it quickly, does. Can
0: I just say quickly, um, the best product, in my humble opinion, is the Bentonite clay mask, just for those who want to know. What was <laughs> <you gonna say? laughs> no ads. <laughs> Thank you. No ads. Because that's how I feel. <laughs> All right, so just
1: just know what to do with your Christmas list and my name, okay? Cool. Um, but I I have two I have two questions, and they that I think they're kind of our final questions because because we're getting to that point. But just linking, thinking about you know how you feel about staying connected to nature, being here in the present. You know, I feel like I don't. Need, I'm not going to go into it, but I said one word, metaverse, and you got it straight away. Yeah. How, so two two parts to this question, how do you um, envisage keeping the brand alive as times change, as people move on, you know, even, even you know, everything somebody thinks they can do themselves. So, you know, keeping mm-hmm. the brand alive, moving with the times whilst, and please inform myself, because this is a question from our previous founder that we interviewed whilst maintaining your why, why you started?
2: Sure. Um, I hope I am, I'm not going to go off onto another tangent, but I've been thinking about this um a lot. I think the why is very paramount for me because if I don't maintain that, I'll get very lost. And if I get lost, then I don't know what the point of continuing this brand is, because it's not just about like having products. Um, We've been very fortunate in the UK that we've had a number of Black-owned brands that are really great come up like over the years. I think one of the things that is sort of more unique about us is that I'm looking at addressing the whole person from head to toe, which is why we do both products that are aimed at sensitive skincare and, you know, textured, you know, um, afro Um, hair care, because we as Black people, as highly melanated people, Mm. are almost twice as likely to have sensitive skin um, in addition to having um, drier textured hair. But I think moving with the times has to be very carefully thought about because it does not mean moving with the trends. That's something that I actively stay away from mm-hmm. because I think you really easily lose yourself if you're a brand thinking like, well, we got to release something every three months, or um, everybody's using, you know, clove oil right now, so we got to have that in a in a product. Like, I'm not creating a rice water line for, yeah, you know, and I respect on it. that. You know what I mean? Um, and I know, I I see the game. I know what it is and how marketing is done. And I am willing to be sort of less successful if it's only measured, um, in millions in that way, in that way, God, get me to the millions. Um, if I'm willing to, what is it Beyonce said in, um, which song was she said, um, I'll, you know, settle for less. I'll justify love. And it hit me because I thought, yeah, my love of this brand, my love of my people, my love of the why that I do it, I need that. So I'm not going to be selling things that are selling lies like this hair growth oil when I know that that's not true, you know, scientifically. So I don't want to go after every new exotic essence that, you know, people are jumping on on for marketing um, because that creates issues around sustainability and exploitation of, uh, of land, frankly. Um, so like, I don't want to go after every trend or exploit every like marketing um, tactic. I'm really trying to cultivate relationships with my customers so they, they know that we're a staple brand. That's what I want to be. I don't want to be the brand that, oh, you know, every three months, I know that they're coming out with something new. Because I know the resources it takes to be involved in that kind of thing. And it's not worth it to me because Mm. there's no meaning there. There might be money, but there's no No meaning meaning there. And I'm not interested in that. I just want my life to be about something um, and to leave something behind that. I felt proud of how I spent my time and what I spent it doing and what, you know, like I gave to people or helped people. With So in terms of how I keep the brand alive, um, that's still an ongoing question. I have products in mind that I want to develop. And part of the reality is making sure that we can get investment to keep doing that. It's been a very hard, you know, 2022, where we were putting a lot into getting ourselves to a point where we could be shelf ready. Yeah, Getting on the shelves, that's still, you know, our journey that we're um, getting to for 2023. So I think once we're stable there, for me, it is to continue to respond to the needs of customers, what they want to see from us and in a way that is organic. Like I, when people say you should do this or really would love to see this from your line, like I'm keeping a note um of those things you just that writing it down are, yeah yeah and it and like I I come up with names so like clever like little puns and I just I keep them in a notepad waiting for when I'm able you know to do that and work on work on that but because I didn't come in with a lot of knowledge about business yeah. it's taken me longer because I've made mistakes there are things that I've done that if I had to do it all over again, I just would not do in the same way, but you know, I'm here now and I am doing the best with what I did start with rather than keep chastising myself for the mistakes that I made along the way. So the future is is open and we'll see how we deal with it.
1: <laughs> Love it. um, And I, you've triggered one, one final question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the final question you triggered one final question which is in I guess like a nice it's a nice founder summary question what is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned in business because you spoke you just spoke Ooh. about mistakes and, and learning things a yeah um
2: I think like one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is this may seem like a cliche um, and people have heard it before, but the whole time is money thing, because I have learned what things are worth my time and what things I need to just pay someone to do if I can mm, yeah. or understand that it's, just, it's not going to get done. But I have learned to value time a lot more um, since starting this business than I ever did before. And so doing some things, I'm like, you know what, this isn't worth the time or the effort to be doing this or somebody knows how to do this thing, spent their life learning about it. Let me go find them. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> no, you. No further comments.
1: I'll take it I'll take it. All right so that I, that was actually my last question now except for we we really enjoy following a chain from founder to founder and so um what question would you like to ask ask the next founder that we
2: speak with I want to ask the next founder when was the last time they thought of giving up or giving in, however they want to phrase it. Oh, I and like that. Why, and how did they get over that?
0: Wow, that's really good. Lovely. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm interested for that question. I don't know who is the next founder, but I'm interested for that question.
2: Um, <laughs> I'm interested Kaydian, too. I'm going to be listening
1: to the... <laughs> list. Kaydian, thank you so much for your time. You. As, I, as I said earlier, <laughs> one of the beautiful things about speaking with the founders is that we really get to just know the heart the heart the person behind the product and it I I can't help but think it would just make us love it even more um so thank you for sharing your journey and your insights and your beliefs and your values with us. We'll, don't worry, we'll come back to our metaverse conversation. That's just a different podcast. Offline. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe one. Off that should be behind the paywall.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, y'all should have a whole episode about this, this whole like the digital self or, you know, sort of the metaverse like uh, existence. Put that on your it's- list.
0: That's okay. That's <laughs> on my list. You know, what I need to do. I need to educate nice. myself around it, and I feel like once I've educated myself, then you should I've know because Anne Marie
1: have- told <laughs> us we mustn't be scared of tech. If you haven't listened to that episode, that she's in control. And um, when was that? Oh, September. I'm cheeky, cheeky plug yeah. there. Anyway, anyway, um before <laughs> we actually wrap up and say goodbye to our listeners, I'm sure that they would like to know where can they find um, your products, BB Naturals
2: i know it's partly sure. in the name yes well yes yeah. so you can find us at bb naturals you can also find us via Superdrug's website and newly burr, 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 mm-hmm. the Fora's website wow is- look wow. at you yes and we'll be coming to the black pound day store very soon in westfield mall lovely <laughs> and um, of course on instagram tiktok all that at bb naturals uk
1: hold on the Westfield store in
0: stratford e 20 no it's in um it's in white city Westfield.
1: yeah oh because there, there's a little set up there as well but okay it's in london sure, it's, it's not
0: everyday east london it's not everyday east london shan there's everyday a london east outside london. of east london <laughs>
1: yeah don't make me seem like a small time girl girl <laughs> <laughs> um excellent so if you haven't already Natalie has testified she has said that these are the products that she swears by and that counts for everything so can you um, say one last
2: thing that I want you guys to know um Natalie Mm -hmm. has been really amazing I um met her through you know Black Girls uh book club and Mm -hmm. she was an early supporter of the brand um you know sort of uh asking us to sponsor goodie bags back mm-hmm. when we were not looking as cute as we are now and mm-hmm. inviting me um to things and inviting me to participate in the grown book so I'm really grateful to you for
0: oh, thank keeping you. me in the loop
2: and inviting me to things and always thinking about me including for this series as well so thank you you've been um very supportive and a wonderful person over the last few years
0: oh thank you
1: Look, <laughs> just epitomizing black women working because that's what we want people who will say your name people who will remember you even when you're not in the room um which actually reminded me also i know i know this is this is the longest she never wants ever, to end book, she never wants to end no but you just we, yeah we didn't throne, talk about your,
0: your book.
2: book we didn't actually talk about your
1: book oh yeah title so, title release date
2: well, um, so this is with, uh, it's part of a, a Black Studies series because, mm-hmm. you know, I am Dr. Katie and Powell. All that talk about the PhD, I did eventually get it. Uh, I finished <laughs> it during the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I lectured Black Studies and Sociology at um, Birmingham City University, and mm-hmm. I got asked to write a, you know, a small, small book um, for the Black Studies uh, series. And mine, it, they wanted a different approach, something that would reach, um university students by putting the life perspective and stories first and then the sociological oh, okay. embedding yeah. the sociological stuff rather than the other way around, which is mm-hmm. how it's typically done in academia. So my university won't give me any like credit for this book, but I don't care because I really wanted to write these things. So I have written about um you know a, being an ex-church girl, shout out to mm-hmm. Beyoncé. And um, sexuality, I've written about like my Jamaican family and being an immigrant to the UK Mm -hmm. and kind of learning about um, Mm -hmm. American Blackness and being Black and female and about becoming queer and queerness Mm -hmm. as I see it. And I've also written about love being a mission um you know i tell the story about how i met my wife and how it came to be that we had to flee the united states and move to britain um it is called um uh stories in the making of black female identity and i think it's coming out in february but i will let you guys know i submitted please do keep
0: us posted
2: the um the full draft about less than two weeks ago. Um listen, I launched a rebrand and then a week and a half later I had to submit. <laughs> you're crazy. I thought I was I am crazy. Crazy, I'm crazy. Absolutely crazy. And on the it was also Black Friday was that week as well. So all that was, was super busy, yeah. Super busy. Um, I'm just happy the holiday season's coming up, but I'm really proud of myself because that was a lifelong dream of mine like, I would envision and see Katie and Powell on the cover of something I've written. Oh, wow. I've written um, chapters in, yeah. books, you know, published um, volumes and and things like that. Um, but I was like, no, I, I, something I still see on the cover. And I, you know, I have more goals for writing books and creative writing as well. But yeah, so I'm happy about that. And it, I wrote about things in the way I wanted to write about mm-hmm. them. So. I'm looking forward to that, you know, coming out.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I just want to say as well that like the face off um, makeup remover is my second favorite product. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I... <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, was reflecting, yeah. I was like, I didn't mention that. And I actually love that product too. So, um, yeah, I
2: love that product. <laughs> like it took me a long time before I, I put it, on the market because it was something I made for myself I was like I know and it
0: smells so good <laughs> as well sorry so
2: um Shan I know you're trying to end the episode
1: am I am I am I <laughs> I am um, not not because I'm having I really a good to, time with really you guys so I... exactly
2: <laughs> having a really but good but I do time, see but... that your episodes are like Forty-five
1: to fifty-four minutes. Uh, After <laughs> yes, <have> <laughs> no, no, no. we oh, girl, yes. they keep we're, it short. We're they keep it short. <laughs> cool. Um, I have loved listening to you today, and I hope that our listeners have to um, let us know. Get us, get at us on the socials. That's at bwwk, yes, mostly yes. on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on LinkedIn, Black Women Working or email us um, on blackwomenworkinguk at gmail.com. Natalie, another wonderful episode um, of our newly introduced segment, Founders Mm -hmm. um, Edition. And, you know, if anyone would like to share their journey or highlight the story of a founder that they know, let us know so we can keep this one going. Until next time. Thank you, Katie. And thank you, Nelly. Bye. See you soon. Bye.